0: No bananas He's back on Monday where I will bludgeon him with leaf opinions for three hours. And then I don't know. That's what you guys will hear. Maybe I'll continue to yell a more about the Leafs. <laughs> so we'll finally have a game to talk about after today. Leafs back at it this afternoon, 2 PM puck drop in Chi town tomorrow, 7 PM date with Kyle Dubas and the Penguins on Hockey Night in Canada. We'll have plenty more on that later this hour. Also, Joshua Cloak and my buddy, here's two, Sam McKee, going to join us at 8.30. So plenty of Leafs talk later on. But it's the day after Thanksgiving, which means we have a day to reflect on... Wait a minute. No, we don't. There's more football today, Jesse. Are you... Are, are you excited? Are you puzzled? what's your what's your level of interest in today's uh, amazon friday? I, I I was about to call it a Thursday nighter because it does not make sense to call it a Friday afternooner. In in my verbiage here, uh, you you excited? Always a little interesting when we have football going on at a different time.
1: Well, we just had a fascinating conversation off the air about how much money Amazon is paying a hundred million dollars to broadcast the first ever Black Friday game, and the ads for this game are usually four hundred thousand dollars around mm-hmm. there for Thursday night games. On Amazon is now eight hundred thousand oh, dollars. Okay, so they think people will be watching. I am all in. <laughs> like I, I, I'm the type of football fan where even though the product seems to be a little bit diminished on Thursdays and and maybe we'll get that as well on Friday, it's just so good. And, like, I love it, so I will consume it as long as you put it in front of me. And that's just the reality. And it happens to be a pretty decent game again today, so I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's been interesting that
0: I haven't got sick of watching the Jets yet. I really – when Aaron – I mean, I was – I was ready to be annoyed by Aaron Rodgers uh, at this point in the season, but I thought it would have been just the Aaron Rodgers of it all. But the Jets have not been the tire fire I expect them to be once she was told me it was going to be Zach Wilson or not Zach Wilson any longer un- under center. They have played in so many of these primetime games. You just look at the schedule and the way they scheduled this one. Yeah. They wanted this to be, I mean, you know, like the NFL knows what they're doing regarding scheduling. They wanted that to be an absolute juggernaut like they of a game they thought it was going to be for something in the afc east it still might be uh that's more to do with the bills than than either of these two teams quite frankly but yeah the three o'clock start it's going to be it's going to be an interesting feeling again like we're all kind of used to our nfl routine and you know it expands to saturdays once college goes away and we have a thursday nighter and you know thanksgiving's the one-off of football all day on the week but yeah it's going to be i mean Again, if it it wasn't a Leaf game, uh, dead up against it, I'd be way more excited for it. But, yeah, it's it's awesome, although it is interesting. Like, I do wonder if we'll get to a point where, like, are we going to have football seven days a week? It's oversaturated. Well, I wouldn't even say oversaturated because, I don't know, like, every other sport plays seven days a week. Well, not the NHL. They, They take two days off a week for some reason. But most leagues play seven days a week, and we would never sit there and go, oh! There's too much basketball. I can't have any more. Well, Mm -hmm. some people would say I can't have any more of this LeBron James in my life. Me, I can't get enough, quite frankly. But we would never say that. But the NFL, we're just used to it being such a way. But we closed our eyes, and all of a sudden it's not anymore. It's not that way. It's not one or two days a week. It is a a big, bountiful number of them. It's pretty much one or two days a week that we don't have
1: football now. Yeah, that's actually a fascinating point. When I think about appointment viewing – That is what the NFL has created, right? I'm not sure that there's any other league where unless you're a fan of one particular team, which in this market, fans want to watch the Mm -hmm. Leafs and the Raptors and Blue Jays whenever they play. So that is appointment viewing for them. Mm -hmm. But in terms of watching other teams in any other league, it doesn't happen for just an average sports fan. Like you don't turn on a Columbus Blue Jackets game and Nashville. You don't do that. Right. But you will watch the Dolphins and the Jets because the NFL has cultivated appointment viewing. And I do wonder that if they have it seven days a week and it starts to overlap with other Mm -hmm. things, like people love football, but they also have other passions and interests, I think, in life. And the more you start to overlap with other things, I think you run the risk of, of people tuning out a little bit. Not, it'll always be king, but a little bit maybe.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I, I'd be. I would love to be a fly in the wall in the conversations in those boardrooms because yeah. there are people who I guarantee you there are people who feel both sides of that very, very strongly in those rooms. There are people who say, "Come on, it's football." They'll never ever get sick of it. And there's somebody sitting there going, "Don't kill the golden goose." Mm-hmm. Like we got to make sure this goes on for a long time, not just a uh, a short time. There, pretty pretty interesting to, to see. So uh, again, we got to, we have the uh, the new. Friday afternoon game, uh, of course, leading into a full, full slate of NFL action on Sunday. Very, very happy to welcome in our first guest of the day. Uh, And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley, North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online in the showroom. Charles Davis joins us now. Charles, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Charles, we're, we're friends now. I talk to you every Friday morning. And, you know, I just wanted to check in on yeah. you. You're an American. You're <laughs> traveling. Yesterday was, you know, one of the high holidays. It was Thanksgiving. What was going on? Did they, did they <laughs> yeah. feed you? Did you guys have a team dinner? I was
2: worried about you last night, Charles. Oh, I appreciate that. I have the concern. Uh, thank you so much. And I love the fact that we became friends so quickly. We <laughs> bought it so fast. And, and you know, it's, it's true, though. I mean, it happened very quickly for us. Here's how it works for me and my crew, all right? Thur- Thursday game, I mean, Sunday game, I typically travel on a Thursday anyway. But in this case, because my crew was scattered all over the place, everyone had plans. I realized I would be at home just staring at the TV or by myself, so I hopped on a plane at six o'clock in the morning and flew to my game site. And here, as you said, you know, in the States, the day of Thanksgiving is better traveled than the day before. Mm. The day before is awful. Mm. just brutal. Don't do it. The day of, you relatively sail through. Now, I'm not going to sit and act like people weren't traveling at ghost down. <laughs> That's not true. But it's a lot easier. And everything clicked. My time, I had no delays. Nothing. Everything was boom, boom, and I got there. So I had my game set about ten o'clock in the morning. Oh, went, got to the hotel, unpacked, went for a long walk, came back, and they had a buffet Thanksgiving dinner at the hotel. That I was essentially in a coma by early evening, <laughs> and here I am today. So life, life is good. You know, was I with people and all that? I was around people. It was more like George Clooney and up in the air. You know, when, when his, his sister said, you're, off, Great you're awfully isolated out there. He said, he's like, isolated. I'm surrounded by people. And that's exactly what it was like yesterday.
0: Oh, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, do you like, you know, I know Turkey, a lot of people star the show. Like, do you have a favorite side that's a must yeah. have for you, Charles? What's that?
2: Uh, I, I like, I'm a big stuffing guy. Yeah. We were both and talking you, about you this. Hook, you hook up the stuffing. Uh, I, I'm one of those people. But I don't know about you guys, but for me, the day after. Now, if I'm at home oh, and I've yeah. had the, the traditional meal at home or what have you, the day after is way better. Like, like okay, yeah, it's great at the time and, you know, the, the build up and the whole deal. My only rule is if I'm at home, we are not eating while the game is really going on. Mm. So if, you wanna, if, if we're going to sit down, It's halftime usually of game two for me. It's kind of where I want to go halftime because the half's a little bit longer. They have a, you know, a concert or something going on that I probably don't care about. I really don't care that much about, you know, the in-between stuff. Just want to see the action. So now I will eat and then you will look up and realize I'm back at the television while everyone else is still arguing over something. So that's kind of how it goes for me.
0: I feel like you nailed it. That that really does sound like the uh the perfect perfect uh thanks, Thanksgiving plan. And you know, I'll I'll end the Thanksgiving chatter with this just cuz I'm very proud of myself, but <laughs> I've been so yeah. jealous of your Thanksgiving for years that the last couple of years that I just decided to make myself American Thanksgiving on your guys Thanksgiving. So I did that oh, for myself yesterday.
2: Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it, it must oh, you are more than welcome. And and oh, that is fantastic. That is great news. And and you know something, I think from this point on We should exchange and I should do Thanksgiving with you and you do Thanksgiving with me. And we celebrate each other's Thanksgivings on the traditional Thanksgiving for each country and call it a day. And then the day after the American Thanksgiving, we celebrate with our traditional whatever our go-to sandwich is the day after. Because (laughs) the sandwich combinations the day after – are are those that someone should write a book on those because everyone (laughs) has a different go-to and there is no shame and there's no judgment on what you put on your sandwich the day after that makes you happy. Mm. That's what I think we should do.
0: Done deal. It is a uh, it is a deal. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little football. Uh, so we did have we did have three games uh, yesterday. I think I think most of them uh, playing out the way people expected, with yeah. the exception of the first game there. I mean, there's a lot of conversation yeah. about the fake punt called by the Lions. There, uh, it feels to me a little bit like that's who Dan Campbell is. You want the guy biting off kneecaps and going yeah. for jugulars? He's going to be going for jugulars with some some calls like that. Uh, what did you make of the the trio of games, but specifically that one yesterday?
2: I think you nailed it right there. Dan Campbell has established who he is and what he's about as a head coach. Um, they popped up the graphic, I believe, after the fake punt, which no one loved, right? Because not, not just because <laughs> it didn't work, just time, time of game, where you were on the field, the way things were going at that point. It felt desperate. And I think Dan Campbell was desperate because he realized that, you know, everyone, if you want to f- focus on the fake punt, you've missed the entirety of what was going on in that game. His team was thoroughly being outplayed. God. Green Bay played with more emotion, believe it or not. All those things were happening. He was trying his best to shake his team out of, uh, out of lethargy or whatever he thought it was. It obviously didn't work, but that wasn't what lost them the game. What lost them the game is they just got outplayed from the word go. And that's two weeks in a row that they've been outplayed. They found a way to survive against a really bad Chicago team the week before. They couldn't overcome it against a Green Bay team that's getting a little bit better. They're not a juggernaut, but they're getting a little bit better. But you're right. That's who Dan is. So no one's going to focus on that. If you have questions about the Lions right now, I would want to know what's gone on the last two weeks, why they've been so shaky out of the gate, and what's going on with Jared Goff and the turnovers, their quarterback, because that's what's really hurting them at this point. Because we are about to put them in the upper echelon in the NFC. And based on the last two weeks, would you take them against San Francisco? No. Would you take them against, New, uh, against Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Now, are you taking them against Dallas? I don't think so. I think right now all three of those teams you would have ahead of Detroit. And we're trying our best to rise them into that category. <laughs> They've got to start playing better. We've got to start playing a little bit better because we, w- we were still basing off of season opener when they beat Kansas City.
1: Well, it's been a
2: long time since then. The last two weeks have not been pretty for Detroit. I still think they're a good team, but they've got to start showing a little bit better because they just get- turn it over way too much, and they just don't look like that team right now.
1: Charles, you mentioned Dallas uh, and San Francisco and Tony Romo during the broadcast yesterday kept repeating the line, Dallas can win the Super Bowl, Dallas is a Super Bowl contender and given their performance and specifically Dak Prescott's performance over the last six weeks, they certainly seem or look the part and then San Francisco, I mean, they're just a, they're a buzzsaw basically ever since they acquired Christian McCaffrey, but they really feel, it feels like they're really taking the next step here who looked better to you yesterday between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers? Because they were both exceptional.
2: Yeah. San Francisco, San Francisco. Look, I'm not into a, you know, Tony said, I said, you know, I understood where he was coming from because Dallas played really well and they have the pieces in place, the defense, he mentioned the offensive line and how big and strong and physical they are, all true. Tony Pollard can run the heck out of the football. Dak's playing at a really high level. All those things are true. The issue with Dallas is who are you beating up on? Okay. When you go back through their schedule this year, who are their losses? Right? They lost to Philadelphia, correct? They got pounded by San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, So if you're talking about being upper echelon again, beating those teams, they will have that opportunity again. They've still got Philadelphia left on the schedule. Seattle, I think, is a good team, but right now they're in a struggle because Seattle's getting a point where they may end up losing three in a row and try and right the ship. I think they go to Dallas next Thursday or this coming Thursday. So we'll find out a little bit more there. Is Dallas good? Do they have the pieces in place? Could they win a Super Bowl? I have no doubt in my mind that they could. Would I say that they would at this moment? I don't see them ahead of Philadelphia. I don't see them ahead of San Francisco. So that's where you run into it. You know, they have to still, to me, prove, hey, I'm that team that can beat those people. Because mm-hmm. right now, that's been a major struggle for them.
0: Yeah, that's exactly – I mean, honestly, that's how I've felt. I won't say the entire time because there have been up and down years there, you know, throughout the DAC and, you know, before the Zeke era. But that's kind of how I've always felt about the Cowboys DAC teams, that they are totally good enough to be right there in the mix but there're always going to be a handful or maybe a couple more than a handful teams that I that I feel like are going to you know just have a, a better shot than them. You know, we were we were talking about this in the last in the last block. The idea of the the 49ers, where would they be without that Christian McCaffrey trade? Like no one's going to sit here and say they'd be dead in the water. They got a ton of talented players on that right. team, but he really feels like he has unlocked something in such a way. And, you know, all leagues to a certain extent are kind of copycat leagues. I do wonder if the next time there's a kind of playmaker of that ilk out there. And, you know, it's not going to be tomorrow. These guys don't grow on trees. But I do wonder if you'll see teams that are in that kind of window, ready to push, push like the 49ers are, uh, be more aggressive. Because it feels like he has unlocked everything there in, in such a major way.
2: I'd say that you know the devaluing of running backs he he's kind of an exception to that <laughs> because the, devalu- the the devaluing of runners is to me much more the one dimensional guys and and I don't say that as a criticism all right just that the old school I put it in your chest 20 times a day a yep. game you get me 1500 yards but I don't throw it to you very much you know, I'm taking me out on third downs and third and longs. Those guys, they, they don't exist much anymore, and they don't. They, you know, you've got to be Derrick Henry. And how many? And as you said, how many Derrick Henrys are out there growing? Not many, right? So that's what you're running into. You're right. You're not going to find many McCaffreys out there. Otherwise, everyone would have one. And you're also right. The San Francisco wouldn't be dead in the water because, remember, when they went to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, Raheem Mostert was their leading runner. Okay, they've had great, te- great season since when Elijah Mitchell became the lead runner for them. McCaffrey just takes you to a different level because of everything he can do. I said it when he came out in the draft, and I stood by it, and now I can sit there and still smile. When he came out in the draft, I said, he's the best running back. He's also the best receiver. If you just ranked him as a receiver, he ran the best routes had the best hands in the draft. That allowed people scoff at me. I stand here now with a big grin on my face and say, you just don't want to have that conversation because he is that guy. All right. That's where he is. So that's, that's, that's what goes in for, for uh, Kyle Shanahan is so creative in what he does to have a Christian McCaffrey almost doesn't seem fair. It looks like they're out of their three game lull where they, yeah. where they really struggled. looks like they're out of that. Now Brock Purdy looks back like he's back on top, good defense, et cetera. So they are that team. And one last thing on the Dallas deal, I think we all have kind of said it, but let's make sure we're definitive about it and tell me if I'm wrong about what we're saying. They are good enough to do exactly what Tony said yesterday. They are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yep. They have the talent. They have the pieces in place. My thing is just simply they have to prove that they're going to beat those teams that are their main competitors, and I have to see that first before I, have, before I, I, I jump up onto the old, yep, I think Dallas can win a Super Bowl because I think they're good enough. But right now, I wouldn't say that they would.
1: Yeah, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions coming up for Dallas. So we're going to get a good look into just how good the Dallas Cowboys are. But, Charles, talking about CMC, I mean, what does this guy have to do to win an MVP? Because we, we were, Gunnar and I were talking about this a little bit earlier in the show that obviously the MVP has become yeah. a quarterback award so to speak and yet you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who just up until a couple of weeks ago had a remarkable touchdown streak that's back to another touchdown streak here and it feels like he has the ability to change a game on any given play we were talking about the second touchdown he scored yesterday where he got caught behind the line of scrimmage and turns it into a touchdown there just yeah. aren't that many guys that can do that sort of thing and flip the game on its head like that. So at what point do we have the conversation where Christian McCaffrey deserves an MVP? Cause also let's face it. There are a lot of quarterbacks having good years to really good years, but no one yeah. is really blowing the doors off this year. So it's kind of right for a running back to sneak in there and maybe steal the award.
2: Well, let's have the conversation now. I'm glad you brought it up because I think you're on track. I really do. Um, I don't know if you guys have read a, a writer by the name of Mike Sandow. If you, if yep. you haven't, do so. He writes, the quarter, he writes the quarterback tier every year, his first tier, second tier, third tier. And he writes great stuff each and every week. I think Mike is fantastic. He mentioned this about three weeks ago about MVPs. And he said, let's have an honest conversation about it. It's become, just what you said. It's become a quarterback award. But is this truly a quarterback year for MVP? And he posited the answer was no. And he had Tyreek Hill at the top of the board mm-hmm. and so on. So the people he had, though, are the receiving end of the quarterbacks, which were the receivers. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's where the game is now. It's pitch and catch. When I was growing up, the pitch was off of an option. Now the pitch is throwing the ball downfield <laughs> to a receiver. That's how we play the game. The flip side of it is there's all v- often conversation. Well, we never talk about the defensive guys. And Miles Garrett has really jumped into that conversation this year from Cleveland. You know, they're having such a great year on defense. Yeah. Miles Garrett is obviously the fulcrum of all that linchpin of the whole thing. He's kind of become the face of it. I had them in Pittsburgh last week. And in our pregame show, I said, you know, at the end of it, I did a little profile on Garrett and TJ Watt, the preeminent edge rushers in the game. I said, the yeah, end, Maybe the guy who has the most sacks will drag his team across the finish line and win it. Miles Garrett won the sack race 2-1 to one last week, and Cleveland <laughs> won the game. So every now and then you get lucky on the whole thing, right? Bottom line is the running backs were back to the devalued again. It used to be when we were, God, okay, I'm 59. When I was a youngster, you started and ended your conversation with which running back is your MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Now, we never even mentioned the running backs until you brought Jesse, correct? (laughs) Yeah, Jesse, you brought that in, and and thank you for doing so, because McCaffrey is that guy. But here's the thing. This is how crazy it's gotten for running back. Remember Roger Craig with the 49ers when they were winning Super Bowls with Joe Montana and crew? Mm -hmm. Roger Craig was a tremendous running back for them. He actually, I believe, was the first running back in NFL history to rush for over 1,000 yards in a season and have and catch um, passes for over 1,000 yards in a season. 1,000 a 1,000. He didn't win an MVP. <laughs> okay? McC- McCaffrey, McCaffrey has done it himself once before. Yep. He didn't win an MVP. I don't know, because you asked the question, what's it going to take? If you go 1,000 and 1,000 and you're not sniffing an MVP, I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah, I truly don't. I don't know if it's going to take every quarterback having a rough year, you know, just one of those weird years where no one else stands out as a receiver where everyone is rather pedestrian, you know, where it's only 1200 yards. I don't know what it's going to take, but fortunately, he's playing on one of the preeminent teams, gets a lot of attention and plays well. If he can string together two years in a row like that, maybe, but it's a tough one and and I feel for him. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, maybe one day, uh, defensive player there. You mentioned Miles Garrett. Like, uh, for my money, that's the most impressive guy I watch every single week. I'm not sitting here and telling you he has to be the MVP, but I've I've never seen a play uh, by him that I'm not uh, shocked and amazed by. Uh, Charles, always love uh, you taking the time. Thanks so much for jumping on with us today, and have a good call this weekend.
2: Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You knocked down that good sandwich for me today. All right. You know, I, I will,
0: it. you know, I will. I uh, can't wait to do it. Uh, there he goes. Charles Davis, that insider brought to you by Don Valley, North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Dom Valley, North uh, Always love uh, getting Charles opinion yeah, on stuff, amazing. but you're, you're right about the MVP thing. Although, I do wonder if, because it's all, let's be honest, like here's what makes it be not a quarterback. One, there's not a quarterback that puts their hand up and says, you have to give me this award, but it's narrative, right? Like part of the roadmap for McCaffrey winning it is how we all feel about Brock Purdy and the fact that Kyle Shanahan's just sitting there pressing the button going, throw to McCaffrey, throw to Debo, throw to Ayuk, whatever you're supposed to do on any given play. I do wonder though, if it's strictly a narrative conversation that gets us to that point, Does the pendulum swing, and it's not happening this year, I don't think, but does the pendulum swing so far the other way that we do get like a Miles Garrett MVP? Because I think once people get to the point of talking themselves out of quarterback kind of anything's in play. Like somebody's going to try to get, I, I shouldn't even say try to get cute with it. Cause I don't think it's an insane take to say that miles Garrett is your MVP, but I do wonder if that's what happens. If once we kind of open the door to a non quarterback, we say, ah, we're already here. Let's get really crazy. If that's the way kind of voting plays out. I,
1: I could see that. It is so interesting because back in, I think it was 2014, JJ Watt had a ridiculous season defensively. Behemoth, yeah. He had five, three receiving touchdowns, five touchdowns, <laughs> 20 and a half sacks, 78 tackles, five fumble recoveries. He was absolutely absurd. He didn't win MVP. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him afterwards, and he said, it's an MV- It's a quarterback award. Yeah, Like, quarterbacks should always win MVP. They're, yeah. they're by far the most important. And then the next year, Adrian Peterson, who's a running back, yeah, of course, right? won the MVP. So it, it obviously has happened. And it, the reason I, I brought it up with Charles is because not only is McCaffrey having such a great year, but the fact that there isn't one quarterback that sticks out to me, at least is having a remarkable season. Like Hertz has led the Eagles to the best record yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. But he hasn't been spectacular. No, and if you watch him, he's I'm been the like biggest, pedestrian at times.
0: I don't even like the Eagles, but I am the guy who sits here every day on this show saying the Eagles are the best team yeah, in football, are. but it's not strictly because of what Jalen Hurts is doing. Definitely not. Not the case. No. They're
1: loaded. And you look at Mahomes. I mean, he's not getting any help from yeah. his receivers, clearly, but he's not having that kind of year. Although All
0: I will is- say, if one of these guys learns
1: how to catch the ball, there, there is going to be MVP. <laughs> will, uh, no. I yeah. actually
0: do believe yeah. that if somebody is just proves they can catch a cold, there, yeah. that people are going to do the revisionist history of like, well, if you we had receivers for the first ten weeks of the season, what would this have looked like? I do think that is if there's anybody who is, he's almost like MVP emeritus. Like, okay, we will start gifting this to patrick <laughs> and then if somebody else has a good enough year to take it away from our sweet boy then we will not make patrick mahomes the mvp but it's i i don't know that's how it feels like to me that we just start from a place of he's the mvp and we work from there based on how the season goes
1: i really think the if you're looking at MV, when you think about most valuable player mm-hmm. and what it should mean yes stats matter clearly when you look at the job that C.J. Stroud has done in oh, Houston. Oh, man.
0: He's a, he, we can have this conversation for sure.
1: So he's second in the NFL in yards. Mm-hmm. And the ability to elevate everybody else around him. Coming into this season, did anyone expect not Hank Dell to be as good as he is? No, not a chance. Or Nico Collins? Mm-hmm. Or even Devin Singletary out of the backfield because now the defense has to respect yep. the throwing game of the Houston Texans? This guy looks nothing like a rookie to the point where I, I genuinely believe given the fact that the Texans are currently in a postseason spot if I had a vote I would think very very carefully about giving CJ Stroud the MVP award right now I yeah. think it would be between Hertz Stroud and McCaffrey for me
0: uh, if I was a writer, I would definitely do that because think of the call that I could write, and then everyone yeah. would be so mad, mad at me. Yeah, you get a lot of. Uh, just quickly, uh, we'll do we'll do uh, a little bit of uh, more gambling later on in the show. But courtesy of our friends at Sports Interaction, they have Jalen Hurts as the as the MVP favorite, followed by Lamar Jackson, then Patrick Mahomes, then Tua, and then it's a pretty big gap between uh, the the people after that. It's Dak. And then at 14-1, to Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think that's happening. Generally (laughs) speaking, I don't think that's going to happen there. And shocker, it's all quarterbacks uh, above them. So, uh, you know, a big day of NFL football today because it's a day that ends in Y. And they will have them all uh, before they're said and done. Uh, But we're going to switch a little gears. It is now time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. So, Jesse, you know, Ben likes golf too. But I sometimes feel like he doesn't want to talk about it with me all the time, but I have you here mm. and I know you'll gladly yes. talk golf yes, with me. Yes, do it. Have you been paying attention to the goings on with John Rom?
1: That he's going to take $600 million from Liv? Well, I, I kind of hope he's not, but
0: yeah, that that's generally the uh, prevailing wisdom that's out there. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I... For me, I thought we were kind of done with this once the agreement or handshake or not, don't you dare call it a merger, merger came out between these two parties. I thought we were done and past this. The other interesting wrinkle in all this is that, you know, I don't know how connected these two things are, but the Tiger Woods Indoor Simulator Golf League, which is as ridiculous as it sounds, it was supposed to start up in January. It got pushed back a year because, um, well, basically like a hurricane ripped the roof off of where they were going to do this. So Mm -hmm. they have to have a year. But John Rom was rumored to be a part of that. And he had backed out. He was no longer going to be. That does give a lot more credence to these live rumors to me that Rom was rumored to be in this. And it's like, we know what that league is. That is the Tiger and Rory, Kiss the Ring. We love the tour league. Like, those are all the guys who are tour guys through and through. It's Justin Thomas, it's Max Homa. Like, it's those kind of guys. And when I saw Rom pull out of that, because he has been pretty much a part of that camp the whole way. I did squint my eyes a little bit, wondering if uh, if if he is going to end up signing up with Live. But I also wonder, you know, how long is Live going to continue to be a thing? So is this just John Rom kind of taking the money and knowing you won't have to do it? I'm I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out.
1: I think that last point is the one that's so intriguing about this. It's like so the guy's gonna take 600 million dollars to play on a tour that might not exist in when yeah well brooks kepka
0: earlier this week was complaining that they're i guess late last week was complaining they didn't have a schedule they finally got around to kind of releasing one for for this upcoming year uh so there is a schedule the free agency period in live which i can't believe i just uttered those words Mm -hmm. it's ongoing so you'd think you know if you if you're going to sign John Rahm, maybe now would be the time to do it. I'm just fascinated to see, because I do think this will tell us something about the future of whatever this is because John Rahm's not going to do like there are reports right now that he is considering it or looking at it but once it becomes definitive you know he's going to talk to somebody about this I don't think it's going to be like a sit down interview with someone of my choosing but he's going to talk about this and I do think that'll be interesting to see because we've heard a lot from Rory about what he thinks the future of this no all or should look like <laughs> yeah Rahm has been a guy who has strong opinions but doesn't go out of his way to necessarily share them all the time. So I'm really curious to see if this comes to fruition, if we do get a kind of explainer from Rom and if it's effectively, yeah, I saw what happened to Rory. I'm going to take my money and stay on the tour and go be the defending Masters champ and do X, Y, and Z. I'd love to kill him for it. But the second the tour shook hands with... With the Saudis, effectively, you know, I don't know how much you can kill any of these guys for it. So, like, because that's been my stance all along. Is I've hated anybody. I've hated to see anybody do it. But if once the tour and Live shook hands, I don't know how you can begrudge anybody for it, even me.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I found it interesting too that there is, as these rumors are percolating, there was a memo that came out about some of the changes that the Mm -hmm. PGA Tour is making, and a lot of it is. Uh, geared towards making life easier for the players on the tour, like more, more cold tubs for recovery and more bathrooms Mm -hmm. on the golf course and more snacks available on the front nine, like that sort of thing. So I I found it very interesting because I know that John Rahm is very vocal in terms of trying to make life better for the players on the tour. So was it a coincidence? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I think if, if the merger, so to speak, doesn't happen, a move like this with a guy of this caliber when you've already lost some pretty significant talent like at some point here you reach a breaking point yeah where the PGA tour does not have the credibility that it once did as the the best tour on the planet that makes it worthwhile to tune in every week
0: so i think they i think i think we're so far away from that lot Loss of credibility. I think we've we arrived the second pen hit paper on the non-merger merger, they lost all their legs to stand on in terms of being the moral high ground yes. or anything like yes. that. I do still think that the PGA tour will be the face of whatever global golf looks like going forward, because that's the whole point of what they wanna do here. They wanna get a a yearly calendar that actually Makes sense. So I do still think the tour will be the face of that. I mean, you've seen guys like, uh, you know, this is a name that, you know, I know you know, Jesse, but for a lot of people are like, who? But it's like, you know, Bernd Wiesberger was on live. And he he back. walked back. He's now a member of the DP World Tour again. You're going to see that. It's like, is Brooks Kepka going to do that? No, because they paid him $200 million. And for every guy like Rom or Phil or whoever we hear who did take the money, it's we hear that those numbers bandied about, and I think we think it's that for everybody. But no, you're burned, Feesberger. It's like, don't get me wrong. You got a nice little check, and he's gonna keep it, and he's gonna go back. Like I think that's what you're gonna see. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And uh, don't worry, everyone out there who loves to swing the sticks. It'll be here sooner rather than we know. I know it doesn't feel like it, but don't worry. Eventually, the the winter will thaw, and we'll get to play golf. <laughs> it's just starting, buddy. I know. But today we get to watch football, not a full day, just one game. Also the Leafs back in action, kicking off a double header today, or I should say it back to back. They got a two o'clock start in Chicago today for a date with Kyle Dubas and the Penguins on Saturday in Pittsburgh. We'll get you set for the full, suite of, full slate of NFL games as well. Halfway through fan morning show here with Gunning and Rubinoff on Sportsnet five, nine of the fan fresh views on everything in the
2: National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The wait is, well not yet, but nearly over. For the first time in I don't know, days, years, centuries. The Toronto Maple Leafs will play a hockey game. And, I mean, if we want to get make it sound like even longer, in North America. <laughs> uh, it's been 100,000 years since they've done that. And, you know, we wouldn't want them to come back and play a game when people are not. You know, I know you and I, Jesse. Yeah. Well, not me, because I have to take my kid to the doctors, because that's the only time an appointment was available. But, you know, you and I, we have the ability, 2 o'clock watch a Leaf game. A lot of people sitting in their car right now whose bosses would not be thrilled with them watching a Leaf game at 2 o'clock, sitting in a cubicle. So I was just like to stick up and defend the common man. I know that not all of you are as lucky as me. Get to rot again. Not today. So I, I'm commiserating with all of you. But normally, I get to rot on my couch and watch this game. Uh, something interesting regarding the... Yeah, I'm a complainer. I told you. Something interesting uh, regarding the Blackhawks. A couple of interesting things. Yeah. Uh, if you missed it, Taylor Hall, likely done for the year. That's brutal. Tough I feel blow. awful for him. Mm-hmm. I He's a guy who I'll forever kind of have a soft spot for. I've, I've talked about this a million times before, but like I was in college at Windsor when he was winning back-to-back Memorial Cups there. So it's like him, Cassie, and Henrik. There's just a certain crew of guys in the NHL Decent that I'll forever him. ever have a, a soft spot for. But... Also with Taylor Hall, like, if you run, he has had the oddest NHL career you could possibly think of because if you run his career back 10 times, I don't know that he'd want you to because we forget, and it was a weird one, but he won the Hart Trophy. He won the the league MVP. Go look at names of people who have won that. Taylor Hall is one of them. So I don't know that he would want a, like, complete do-over on his career, but it also has not gone the way... Quite frankly, it should have gone. I mean, there was the Hall for Larson trade, and he basically got sent out of there because he was the other good first overall pick. What if him and McDavid could have just been stapled together forever? It's so interesting to see. So honestly, not, not a ton to kind of dwell on there. It's just this was a guy who was kind of in a perfect position of a flyer deal next to a bright young star and getting to be the insulation for him. So I just like I don't really have a ton to say on the Hall thing. I just feel genuinely awful for, yeah. for the
1: player. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, this is a guy who's dealt with numerous knee injuries yep. over the course of his career. He's only 32. It feels like he'd be oh, older than 32 exactly. at this point, just could, based on you know just dealing with all these injuries. He's had a torn meniscus. Now yep. he's, it looks like it's an ACL injury uh-huh. here. He's already had a, a surgery on his right knee. So it, it's, it's tough. It's a yep. tough situation for him. And you're right. It was a situation where he goes in there, could sort of rejuvenate and revitalize his yep. career a little bit. After floating in the, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, not, not abyss. Abyss is yeah. probably too harsh a term, but getting to play beside Connor Bedard. Yeah. And it's not working out. It's unfortunate. No, and it's like it's also just a case of
0: missed windows everywhere in his career. Like he leaves Edmonton and, you know, I'm, and I know there will be people out there who go, Oh, gee, why don't you connect the dots there, Guns? But... He leaves Edmonton, they start to get it together a little bit. He leaves uh, New Jersey, all the young players. Now that's not on him. All the young players just grow up and start to hit after he leaves. And guess what? I have a feeling in a couple of years in Chicago, we'll be talking about a half-decent Blackhawks team uh, that doesn't include Taylor Hall. Another part of it as well is that, you know, as much as obviously he was signed up and would have loved to have road-shocked him with Bedard, there was totally a world where he was the perfect kind of second, third line player oh, for some sure. championship team at the deadline. So brutal uh, for him. This one's a little more curious. Uh, where in the world is Corey Perry? We're not all that sure. Uh, so he was a scratch. Some people have used the word healthy. Some people have not. So we'll just say he scratched on Wednesday night against the Blackhawks. This is from Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts yesterday about it. Don't want to guess about Corey Perry, but he was definitely supposed to play Wednesday in Columbus. Nikita Zaitsev, Leafs legend, I I added that part in, got the morning bag skate so he wasn't scheduled to dress. He ended up playing instead. Perry didn't practice Thursday, so yesterday, and the Blackhawks have yet to reveal anything. Uh, Friedman adding in, hopefully it's nothing serious. Check out 32Thoughts on sportsnet.ca or the Sportsnet app. One of my must-reads every week. But... The other interesting part of this is the quotes coming out of the players. If this was a personal issue, it would sound a lot different than the complete lack of certainty that you're yeah. hearing from Nick Felino, Again, another leaf legend, a lot of them there in Chicago, <laughs> but you would be hearing a little differently. This is a curious situation. And Again, I'm like Friedman. I'm not going to sit here and, and guess, speculate one way or another. I've seen some people bandy about the idea of they're trying to protect him from a trade, but Just reading between the lines on the quotes coming out of Chicago, Chicago, I feel like you would maybe hint that message to some of your leadership a little bit. It doesn't sound like that's what's happening there either. This is a weird one because it's an organizational decision is what the team has called it, at least him not playing on, on Wednesday. That does maybe lend a little bit of credence to the trade thing, but this was also a guy who you were brought in there to be the the perfect model vet for all your old guys. So if it's something outside of that, it's very strange. Again, I I don't want to speculate, but uh, I know a lot of people had this one circled because Ryan Reeves and Corey Perry. And again, they're not going to fight each other, but I know a lot of people uh, just remember the war words last time. So uh, seems very much TBD. If we'll even see Corey Perry this afternoon. Yeah.
1: Some of the quotes are just really bizarre. I mean, it's, it's, you wouldn't think it's performance related because he's the third leading score in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Not that they're very good. I was going to say I'm like, it's him, the stick boy, and then yeah, Bedard. Yeah, they're, they're clearly not good, but he is the third leading scorer there. And some of the quotes, like you mentioned it, uh, Foligno saying, "We just know he's not with us. Haven't gotten any details. It's unfortunate. We'll miss him." Connor Bedard. I'm not going to speak on it too much. He's a big part of the team. Sucks. It can't be here. Like today. that
0: doesn't. That doesn't sound like one. A guy who who is about to be traded, but it also doesn't sound like an injury. It ju- it seems like it could be maybe something personal. Again, you don't want to speculate, but it's just a, it's a very odd very situation. Bizarre. Yeah. And again, uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, he always adds more juice to the game, but I think people would be okay with not seeing him <laughs> today. Uh, again, Leafs two o'clock puck drop. That's one o'clock in Chicago. Uh, why are they playing? Well, it's black Friday. That's why they're playing, but they're not the only ones uh, playing. There's also an NFL game on Black Friday. Uh, We've been talking about it. It is the Jets. It's the Jets and the Dolphins. This was supposed to be sexy, sexy, sexy. I think the Dolphins are kind of always sexy, generally speaking, even when it doesn't work out well for them. Uh, Always fun, entertaining games. Uh, Mike McDaniel is going to say things that, I I think I've told you about this, uh, with me and McDaniels, is that I either love or hate everything he says. I've never been lukewarm on anything uh, he's done. The question I always have with games like this, Big spread, nine and a half. They always scare the bejesus out of me. And the other part of this game is that the total, because you have the two most opposite teams in football, is at 40. And it feels like that'll go way under or way over with very little in between. <laughs> like it is a, it's a really interesting couple of numbers there. The nine and a
1: half spread and then the total at 40.5. Well, the Dolphins offense can be historic at times. It can. Like that's what's crazy, but that that's why it flips on its head. And then you look at the, the Jets defense. They're still a top unit in this league. Yeah. Like they're fourth in, in yards per play. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of caught in the middle. Like which way is it going to go? It really feels like it's a bit of a flip of the coin. I think a lot of it does hinge on the quarterback play yeah. for the New York Jets. Obviously when Zach Wilson's struggling the mm-hmm. way that he's struggling, it puts immense pressure on the defense. And if you were to play the dolphins yep. in a situation where your quarterback absolutely stinks and the defense is on the field the whole time, you're probably going to get smoked. But if Tim Boyle, who's starting for the Jets today, mm. can be a little bit better, keep the offense on the field more than Zach Wilson was able to, then I think that helps shut down the offense for the Dolphins because you need to be able to have the ball to score points. I
0: think the way I look at it is I I expect the Jets to cover, and this is a basically they hate Zach Wilson bet. It's that they are going to feel so free not having him, and I'm yeah. not even just talking about the offense. Like I feel like if you think the offense hates him, You think those defense guys don't text each other that quote of like, I don't feel bad about it at all. It's not my job to cover up the defense or whatever it was last year. Uh, So yeah, I think if I'm going to have a lean there, I go jets to cover nine and a half. It's just such a big number. The over under uh, that's too crazy for me to get involved in. Uh, So I'm just going to do a clear, clear, clear uh, stay away there. Uh, It is now time for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction. And like I mentioned, we do have a hockey game today. Uh, Leafs shocker. Big, big-time favorites on the money line. Minus 278 on the money line. Uh, you can also get them at minus 110 if you expect them to cover by a goal and a half. The over-under in this one is 65 I'm going with the over. It's minus 120. You got to pay a little juice there, but I expect this to be a little bit of a weird game. It's going to be the afternoon. Leafs haven't played in a while. First game back in in the states or, or this side of of the pond, I should say. So yeah, I, I my lean there is the over six and a half. You got to pay minus 120, but that's what I like.
1: I think that is bang on. This feels like the weird weird game situation where the Leafs may not show up because of where they're coming from and they rely on their talent mm-hmm. to get them through. Yep. It's one of those games and usually when that happens they get scored on a lot and they end up winning 5-4 or 5-3 or something like that. And if that's the case, then you're going to end up winning your over bet, so I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah, Ilya Samsonov uh, between the pipes. That changes anything for you? I don't know how much it changes it for me, but I will say if I ex- if I feel like one of the Leafs goalies is more capable of having a blow up night, I do feel like it's Samsonov. Yeah, he's looked that's better unfair. though. He's looked he has calmer, more composed. Yeah, he has. Uh, good sports trend. sports interaction also with a couple of fun uh, kind of Leafs related props for this weekend. So William Nylander continuing to ride the point streak again. He hasn't played a game in a week. Point streak still going on. So they've given you these options for when it'll end this afternoon against the Blackhawks is plus 135 tomorrow against the Penguins plus 264 the Panthers is it plus 465 the Kraken plus 775 if you think that thing is going to run up to 21 games and then Boston Bruins are later plus 1250 do you have a lean there <laughs> one way or, or another
1: oh that's tough I, I, th- I would feel like the it makes the most sense to pick today (laughs) because they haven't played in a week and it feels like it's a a letdown spot. But we did just say how we think the game is going to go over. Mm -hmm. And if the game is going over, William Nylander might factor into that. Well, most likely would factor into that. So I'm going to stretch it out a little bit, I think here. And I think the back to back is also sort of a similar situation. Going to be a little bit of a frisky game. Could see a lot of goal scoring in that one too, because it's going to be weird. I'm going to stretch it out to – give me the Kraken. Mm. Plus 775. Plus 775. It's Look, it's a complete dart throw. Yes, love it. There's no question about it that it's a dart throw, but I just feel like with these weird circumstances yeah. having not played in a while and relying on your top talent to get you through – I feel like is gonna show up on the score sheet. And, and for the Leaf fan's sake, I hope I didn't just jinx it.
0: I feel like it's either ending today or it goes through the Boston game. Like, I don't, I, it just seems like he either survives. The layoff and it continues to roll or it doesn't, and because of that, it's like for throwing a dart, I might as well do this it with amazing. the odds uh, plus twelve fifty. And then the last Great one, idea. yeah, well done by the folks at Sports Interaction. The last one they cooked up uh, this is a fun one for tomorrow night, the Dubis Bowl, which we have somehow not talked about at all yet today. Which group of four players will combine for more points in the Saturday hockey night end of the game? Nylander, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares minus one seventy five. Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, and Carlson, plus one fifty. You got to read on that, Jesse. Yeah, uh, give me the Penguins. Uh, I hate to, I hate to agree with you there, but uh, Sid is just such a Leaf killer. So is Gino. And so has been Carlson. on fire this yeah. year. He's
1: having a great season. Uh, Malkin's been fantastic too. The issue in Pittsburgh, they're not having a good year right now. Three points out of the postseason spot. It hasn't been Crosby, Malkin. Carlson and, and Gensel yeah. that no. they have not been the problem, and similarly in Toronto, those four guys haven't been the issue either. But I do think, uh, given the plus money here in that situation yeah. with a high scoring game, give me the Penguins guys there. Yeah, and again, it's like
0: they're not. They, I don't think the Penguins are going to be motivated by Dubis or anything along those lines. But Crosby is always motivated against the Leafs, and yeah, guess what? He kills so everybody. Good. I know, uh, but he's a long, long killed this Leaf team. So I could easily see it, and I also do feel like. One of those guys is going to decide that bet. Like it feels like there's a three-point night in there for somebody of that, of that eight. Uh, that was the wake and rake presented by sports interaction. Your homegrown sports book bet local. So again, Leafs in action this afternoon, two o'clock puck drop in Chicago, one o'clock Chicago time. Apparently that's better for for them. And then Saturday <laughs> they get a date with Dubas and the penguins. We got a full Hour of Leafs tee-up coming ahead. Joshua Cloak had a great rundown of the whole trip in Sweden. We'll see how he feels the team is coming out of it. He is with the team in Chicago. We'll talk to him next. And then, you know, for for a little more of the... I always screw up which is which. But the id, the ego, whatever one is just the raw, unconscious self, Sammy McKee going to join us at 8.30 to tap into, again, whatever one of those that is. Also, we'll revisit the trade list, uh, the the trade value list that me and him did in the summer uh, because there's another one of those floating around there. So fun hour coming up, all loaded with Leafs. Shocker, I'm here. I know. Fan morning show. Rubinoff on Sportsnet of The Fan.